What's up? What's up? What's up? What's going on? And welcome to another Leader Set Trends podcast. I'm so excited and happy to be with y'all. You know, you know the the listeners. You're like my family. Um, you're my supporters, and I appreciate you all immensely for your constant support. And I love being able to have these conversations with you each and every week. So you know, we're on episode three of this season. So make sure if you haven't went back and listened to the first couple episodes, you do that. Right? You have a couple options of how to how to listen or watch it. Yes, watch it because some of you out there are listening to this audibly, right? Of course, I'm available on all podcast platforms, but you can also watch the recorded, right? The recorded version on Spotify. You can watch it on YouTube and it's also on my social media page at Miss Aisha Thomas. I'm looking at my mic because I'm like, is it on? Is this thing on? But it is, okay? I got to check it sometimes because you know, sometimes you just in the mode of things and you're like, is it on? I have my computer mic, but I want y'all to have that good, good sound. Um, and of course, make sure you like, share, subscribe, do all of that. That's important because that's how this message expands and reaches the masses and leaders out there. And we're not just talking about top tier leaders, right? Or what we consider top tier, the CEOs, those in the C-suite. We're talking about those that are interested in leading, those that are beginning in leadership, um, and those that are in the mid-tier that's been doing it for some time, right? That's working their way up. And always remember that leadership is influence. So we're all leaders at some point in our lives. At some point in our careers, we have to step up and be the man, the woman, they, them, that's in that seat that is leading whatever that looks like. So recognize that, you know what, I'm the leader too. So what were we talking about last week, right? What were we talking about last week? And it was a topic of attachment styles. And again, relationally, a lot of people discuss this. However, how does it connect to leadership and how we show up in our organizations, how we show up in the different spaces and places that we are leading in? And I wanted to have this conversation because, again, as I learned about this, it was just fascinating to learn how it connects. So let's do a quick recap, right? I talked about what attachment is. It's an inborn system in the brain that evolves largely in the first two years of a child's life in ways that influence an organization, excuse me, and organizes, right? So it influences and organizes motivation, emotional, and memory processes with respect to significant caregiving figures. So this is something that is connected to the caregivers, those who support us, right? Those leaders in the household. Now, if you add attachment theory, it speaks to what happens for infants emotionally, cognitively, and socially as a result of their early experiences in seeking to reach out and connect with significant others, specifically their mother, but any kind of caregiver. So you're talking about a situation where individuals are as we are, you know, in our infancy, those that we turn to, those that we reach out to when we need support, right? And even in our adulthood, we are navigating who, you know, who supports us as well. We're like, we are reaching and trying to connect to those amongst us as well, right? So it says in this process, the development of a felt and stable sense of a safe haven and a secure base are critical for the development of a secure attachment. And that's why it's important to consider this because how secure are you as a leader? How secure? How secure are you as a leader? Do you, are you navigating confidence issues? Are you finding yourself anxious, disorganized? Are you finding yourself in a space where you're like avoidant? And it's so fascinating that our first leaders have so much influence and impact or how we show up as leaders today. So again, I talked about safe haven and it says it's the um, results from the proximity of and access to that trusted caregiver when the child feels anxious 
or senses danger. So it's just like as a leader, when someone has a, say you're working for a customer service team and you are the lead and someone is navigating some type of hiccup there, right? And it's uncomfortable, right? They're anxious or danger to them is maybe, it's just an uncomfortable experience and they reach out to that leader. There are a lot of triggers that can occur when someone faces this, you know, and we take, again, this mindset and these experiences into how we navigate relationships, every type of relationship, not those, not just those personal ones or those romantic ones. And then safe, the safe haven, right? Cognitive communication, the mutual of sharing, right? So these are nonverbal signals and mutual influence through their interactions. And it creates a sense of emotional attunement and mental state resonance and forms the basis of healthy, secure attachment. So that safe haven is important, right? And just expanding that a little bit more. And then when we look at secure base, it is the presence of a sufficient safe haven that provides a child with a sense of a secure base from which to increasingly and confidently explore the world and to which he or she, right, there them can return as needed as part of the ever-widening circles. This is important for the development because as researchers have noted, the more threatened an individual feels, the more primitive or regressed becomes the style of thinking and behaving, right? So that's the gear pace. It's something that um, really is important. And, And if they feel something opposite, it's going to cause or result in a different type of behavior that might show up quote unquote negative in an organization or a company. So. If you really think about and ponder this, like, again, um, how we experienced our first leaders, that we were around for a big chunk of our lives, influences how we do relationship when we go into the big world. Yes, we can grow. Yes, we can develop. Yes, we can expand our thinking. We can navigate triggers. We can do so many things to help us show up as secure leaders. But for many of us, we have had to navigate. We've had to, we have had to navigate a world leading from one of these styles. When we don't feel secure and we don't feel like we have a secure place to go to, when we don't feel like our leaders are supporting us and that they're there for us, it impacts how we show up as leaders. We can't trust. We're iffy. We are hesitant. We think twice before moving forward and it actually also impacts our confidence. It really does. And for those that are listening, you're missing out some good stuff. So make sure that you uh, tune in and you watch this uh, via the different opportunities or spaces that you can watch this. So what are the main attachment styles? What are the main attachment styles? Again, we have the four. We have secure, avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. So those that live in the secure side, right? We want to be secure leaders. They're good with intimacy, connections, relational um, intelligence, self-sufficient, capable of trust, and they have a positive view of of their self. If they're an anxious attachment style, they seek excessive intimacy, right? That closeness, that bond, those connections seeks constant reassurance. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I doing it right? Am I this? Am I that? Right? Doesn't like to be alone and they have a negative view of themselves, avoidant, uncomfortable with intimacy, those connections, those those bonds, right? Those those relationships, overly independent. I don't need it. I got it. (laughs) Can seem distant and cold, positive view of self, disorganized. They want intimacy, but fears it, expects to be hurt, right? I can't trust nobody in here. Every organization I've been in, and it doesn't help when you have been in organizations or spaces like that. 
right? Or relationships, work relationships like that. Fear is rejection and they have a negative view of self. So where do you land? Do some of this sound familiar? So to give it an additional look, right? We're talking about secure, they're self-assured, direct, responsive, anxious. Those are preoccupied. They're self-doubting, anxious and sensitive, avoidant, dismissive, self-reliant, avoided and distant, disorganized, fearful, self-sabotaging, unpredictable, isolated. This has a lot to do with emotional intelligence. It really does. And for a lot of organizations and companies, shout out to you all for taking time to really learn more about the intrinsic side of an individual. And shout out to you leaders out there who are taking time to pour into self to learn more about why you show up the way you show up. When I was writing my books, I really talked about like leading through, leading through trauma. I wasn't aware why I was avoided or anxious in some season. I didn't, I wasn't aware why I was disorganized and fearful. And sometimes we can bounce around, you know, the research talks about how people can kind of like bounce around some of these, or if they are in relationship, right? With somebody that's one of these, you might take the opposite end, but living on the side of avoidant, disorganized or anxious, that impacts how we show up. A fearful leader, an avoidant leader, an anxious leader, a leader that doubts or a leader that is just self-reliant. They don't ever delegate or one that is fearful, so they isolate themselves. And as leaders, we have to ensure that we're building relationships and we're showing others how to do relationships. Look at the key baby. So again, depending on where you land, secure, right? Avoiding anxious, so preoccupied is also referred to as uh, anxious and fearful, disorganized. Look at where they land. Secure has low avoidance, low anxiety. Preoccupied has low avoidance, but high anxiety. Fearful, you know, also uh, disorganized has high anxiety and high avoidance. And avoidant has low anxiety, but high avoidance. There's no one that's like, oh, you know, I'd rather be this than that. Our goal is to be on the secure side. And also, you know, the reality is, is that, of course, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be, you know, like, man, I'm not secure. And now that's playing back your mind. This tool and this conversation is about awareness because we might live on the secure side, leaders. But on this episode, I wanted to talk more and focus on, I want you to look at it. We talked a lot about us last time, but now let's look at it as from the aspect of who we are supporting on a day-to-day basis our team members who are also navigating this, our team members that might not be as aware that are navigating the workplace and so on. They live in one of these areas, secure, anxious, avoidant, or disorganized. They live in one of these spaces, low avoidance, right? Some people navigating low anxiety, but they might have high avoidance or low avoidance and high anxiety or high anxiety and high avoidance. Imagine what that does for the mental health, mental wellness, a lot of these wellness initiatives out there. It's more than just going to the doctor, right? And figuring out what's going on with that high blood pressure. It's going to the core and maybe even learning more about EQ, learning more about trauma, learning more about those things that land on the psychological area that might have a lot to do with the experiences our team members have been through or us. Where do you see yourself landing? right? 
You know, I'm not a psychologist or a therapist, you know, and the beautiful thing about doing organizational development is there are so many psychological components, you know, that's why it was so important for me to become certified in areas of human behavior, organizational uh, behavior, right, and managing that. Because it's interesting to see how our experiences in childhood impacts us in our adulthood, impacts us now that when we are in these roles that we have on a day-to-day basis. So secure again. They generally had mothers who rated as free and autonomous, emotionally available and perceptive of the responsive to the child's needs, states, and signals. A securely attached child feels safe, understood, and confident that most of the time the parent is a reliable source of nurture, protection, and meeting their needs. Imagine someone being triggered by this, right? And they don't feel like their their boss or supervisor, you know, meets their needs. And, you know, and as you build relationships, you show the way you show up, that will help someone assess or create a perspective for that person where that from their that experience, that's will that will be how they'll determine how to interact with you. Now let's go on the avoidance side, avoidance side. You know, so they said people that have grew up in these avoidance spaces where they were um, caregivers that were dismissing or emotionally unavailable, these children tended to avoid dependence by pursuing self-reliance, avoid discomfort with closeness, and therefore preserve distance and avoid their needs by using deactivating strategies. Anxious, they navigated caregivers that were preoccupied and consistently available, perceptive and responsive, enmeshed and entangled, like it was just all this back and forth. Forth. So now they said they this child tends to manage their uncertainty about independence by pursuing closeness and protection and manage their anxiety about the availability, availability of their intrinsic value to significant others by hyperactivating strategies. And then of course, disorganized. This is that child that experienced a caregiver that was frightening or they were frightened disoriented and alarming, they could have lived on both sides. Or again, they might've been on one or the other or lived amongst both sides. It was a back and forth. So these children tended, excuse me, to approach a caregiver for security and avoid their safety, resulting in conflicted. And even they they disassociated from the matter. And of course they say this is the least common, but you could be navigating someone that is navigating this. So how can leaders make impact when engaging with these individuals? What can they do? They say that transformational and charismatic leadership, they are more related to the secure attachment style, right? Because there's a lot of relationship building. There's a lot of communication and connection that is involved in that because they're likely to have those trusting relationships with others. It might not be with everybody, but there is a approach that's very, that connects to a relationship or building relationships in a quote unquote healthy way, in a way that's comfortable, right? Laissez-faire on the other end, right? Those that, those leaders that live in those leadership styles that are more detached. And of course there are moments where we have to like disconnect, like they got it, right? They're going to, they're going to knock this out. But those that have that laissez-faire, like, okay, I'm not connected, right? They have a hard time trusting others. They're living on those other sides, that high anxiety or high anxious or, 
you know, even if they might be low on the anxiety side, they have that high avoidance, excuse me. They may not value subordinates, their input or involve them in decisions, which may result in low morale. And I know we talked about this last time, but again, I want you to, yes, you might've been like, is it me? But think about it from the other end, how this could be impacting the space that you're creating the culture, right? Now, the powerful thing is stressful times is when this is revealed, right? When things are good, you might not be able to see this as much. I talk about, I do a lot of trainings on the five stages of, um, team building and so on. And there's always that storming phase, but it's in the stressful seasons when you can really see how people navigate stress. And again, these, this perspective or this information is not like a, this is just a sentence of who I am, period. The reality is we can all grow and develop in all these areas. So let's talk about the follower perspective. You know, they suggest that followers who are secure may anticipate that leaders will be likewise sensitive, supportive, and responsive, and may enter organizations with a very positive, with very positive leadership exp uh, expectations. They don't come in with hesitation. They come in like, okay, I'm going to be supportive. I'm going to be responsive. Even when they're interviewing, they're probably catching a, a, a connection of this is the, this is the company I want to work for. I, I believe they're going to support me right? They'll be responsive. This kind of expectation in turn may elicit such a behavior from the leader and help create a leader who fulfills these expectations in a way that is not unlike the concept of self, a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So they enter into organizations like that. They navigate that space like that. But if we look at the others, how do they show up? Anxious, they enter organization uncertain what to expect and not feeling deserving of the support and attention from a leader. This self-fulfilling prophecy in this case may result in the leaders who meet their expectation of intermittent support. So when they see it happening, it's like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. So how we show up as a, as a leader is so important. You might think like, this is just, this is, it has nothing to do with the professional side. We are who we are. Our experiences shape who we are. So we have to understand, and we can't diagnose anybody, of course. This is something that in a journey that we hope each one of us go through and we grow and develop from this, right? So, but it's good to understand because it's going to help you build empathy and understanding. And of course, avoidant, um, those adults tend to have more a negative, non-trusted behavior as they enter an organization. Leaders may view avoidant followers as distant, even hostile, and withdraw support and attention. This could lead, this could then fulfill the expectation of avoidant followers. Same thing with um, disorganized, fearful. They enter an organization just, you know, like really like on edge, like, I don't know if I can support or I can um, truly trust this space. They're, they're, they're very hesitant. They might really just avoid interaction or interaction with the, or the, with the leader or might be thinking like, what do they have up their sleeve? Can I really trust them? Can they connect? And then again, depending on how you show up, they come to you and they're like, finally, I need help with something. And 
unfortunately, maybe that day, that day you didn't show up for them like they should, or maybe that thing, it was a misinterpreted because can, that can happen too. Imagine how that can impact that individual. So how do you develop or find these leaders, like these leaders that have that transformation on charismatic side, or what can you do to create a safe, safe space like that? Because again, we can create safe spaces and really influence and impact the culture in a way that could be very beneficial, right? So, and then also we can embed and include and support individuals in a way where we're like, we're helping them in these core areas, transformational, charismatic, relational intelligence, emotional intelligence. How can we do that? And before we continue, right, I know you've been listening, but have you subscribed yet? <laughs> right? Have you subscribed? Have you shared? Have you left a review? Make sure you do that. Left a comment, right? If this is you're streaming this on YouTube, watching this on replay, make sure you do that. This message needs to come out. It needs to go out because it could really help a lot of people. So I need you to, your support in that. I need your support in that. And of course, you know, I know I talk about a, a lot about emotional intelligence, but I do a lot of work in that area because it's important. So if you know anyone that needs that support in the organization, make sure you reach out to me on AishaThomas.org and I would love to support your organization, your team, even you through that process. I really would. Make sure you do that. Now, after you have done you're finished liking and all that, <laughs> subscribing and all that, like, oh man, I forgot. Let's continue, right? So how do we develop these leaders? Of course, um, doing the necessary work to bring those individuals in that can support and educate those leaders in that area and that your staff, your team, right? Hiring and recruiting candidates and management positions who are attracted to, to the organization's mission and vision. You can encourage followers to focus on the, on, um, the team and organization to help promote job satisfaction, group cohesiveness, and commitment. But also we can create those spaces. So I want to give you five areas and shout out to David B. Drake, right? PhD, I'm not talking about B. Drake, but David B. Drake, who um, did some study on this. Um, there's some great um, books on this, The Mindful Brain, Attachment in Adulthood, um, low, excuse me, Leader Follower Attachments, Understanding Parental Images at Work. Um, and there's a leadership and organization development journal um, that I was able to collect a lot of this from. And lastly, the relationship between attachment theory and transformational leadership in California Community College Chief Executive Officers. So, so many great resources out there to get this data and this information. And remember, like I mentioned last time, 55% or around 50% of individuals are in that secure side. So we are encountering people on a regular basis who live on the other side, right? And it's been a major decrease in this. The beautiful thing is we're living in a time where we talk about therapy, growth, development. That's powerful that people are doing that. And as I mentioned, the fact that we are living in a household or we're living in a space where we have the leaders of tomorrow, even leaders in the home, we have an opportunity to really impact the future leaders, even as we show up as parents. Learning this stuff really allowed me to be more aware and make sure that I was creating a space where my children felt safe and secure and comfortable. So when they do become leaders and they're going into different spaces that they have that experience. And then now it's impacting how they show up when it's time for them to lead. So there's so many ways we can make impact even to our homes. So number one, 
right? So provide individuals with the sense that these spaces, these organizations, this team, right? This department is safe and secure. They have that safe haven. They have that secure base where they can explore their defensive strategies, both their beliefs and behaviors. So think about the kind of space that you are creating. Is it safe? Is it secure? Not saying it has to be perfect. I mean, we still as leaders might have to make those decisions where it's like, okay, this is how we have to pivot. This is how we move. But when it's time to talk about the uncomfortable things or have when a conflict occurs, when it's a stressful season, such as storming, how are you handling that? How are you managing that? Can Do people really feel comfortable to go talk to that supervisor or talk to this person or that person? And again, how can we create and teach this? Because again, people learn from what they witness and they watch with us. So create those spaces and really pay attention and ask yourself, what does my culture look like today? The next one, use the rapport that is gained to help leaders take a good look at how they currently relate to others, how they currently narrate these relationships and the biases inherent in their constructions, in their conscious Even when I do diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? I talk about diversity from so many different perspectives, but a lot of us hold a bias. And because we have that bias, if we're not aware of how we are living 90% of the time in our unconscious, we're moving on autopilot 95%. I mean, it's just a big amount of time. Depending on how our conscious, right, was fed and how it feeds back to our unconscious, right? How all that stuff was fed, that has constructed who we are, we might be functioning in a way that we're not aware that we are creating an environment that is affecting how we relate to other people, connect to other people, how we narrate those relationships. So really, really, again, make sure that, okay, how am I doing relationships? How are those that I'm also developing as the next leaders? How do they do relationships? And what can I do to help improve that? Relationship building is important in the workplace, especially again, following COVID, it shifted a lot of people's perspectives. They want to know you care. So how are you building that relationship? Use opportunities to study your team members, see how they're responding, right? How does that look on a day-to-day basis? And then again, as you all are learning, you know, within the workplace, these different styles or approaches or how to have in conversation or you're developing and coaching your team or your leaders about interactions, test it out. Make sure they're taking time and they're actually testing it out. All right. So I need you to, you know, have that conversation with so-and-so. You don't always have to be involved. You want to be able to equip individuals and allow them to lead, you know, that, that conversation or have that opportunity to, to, test out this new skill that they have. And there might be moments where we have to be those in between that um, are supporting them in having these conversations or these interactions. Sometimes we have to do that and that's okay. But once you see that they're growing, all right, back up, let them handle it. So now this can be embedded in how they manage and lead in their unconscious. So even if they're working on autopilot, It's that good stuff you have helped them through. Help leaders to reflect on how their working models and their subsequent interpersonal patterns around roles and positions, how they tend to take related and um, to significant others 
excuse me, how they take relative to significant others are rooted in childhood experiences, right? So in this aspect, right, this is from the perspective of can you help leaders do that 100%, right? But in certain, you know, professional environments, you can't, you know, start talking about people's childhood and so on. So in this in this space, I would definitely recommend having someone that comes in with expertise in this to help this uh, process. Because again, when, you know, workplace, some people think like, this is not, this is just work. It's not time to get personal. And that's okay. Again, as leaders, we're not trying to assess individuals. However, this is an important step in a process to have an understanding of an individual or in this case yourself. So I would take, I would reframe this to say not necessarily help leaders, but I would say help yourself in understanding this. And of course, if you are in the workspace and you bring someone in and people open up that I've seen in plenty of team building or trainings I've done, that's great because you're hearing from them their experience and follow up with them, check in and say how that, thank you so much for sharing that information. It was so powerful. It, it, it really was beneficial, you know, because again, when you can create those safe environments where people can share that, that means you have created a safe environment. So make sure that you are thinking about these aspects. Am I working on myself? What kind of environment am I creating? How am I studying and learning about those that I um, work around? Because yes, you're not the caregiver, but you are a leader and your position, you know, has a lot, your position and your role has so much influence and it can really shape how the individuals there live, live their work life. Is it safe? Is it secure? Is it uncomfortable? Now this adds to retention. It, it adds to creating that healthy culture. It aids in so many, and then now that spills into productivity, company loyalty. It spills into so many different areas because I know in this space, I am secure. I am safe. Oh, I know that I'm, I'm in a good space where I know I'm in a, this workplace is like a safe haven for me. It's secure. It has a secure base. And I know my leader is someone that I can, that is going to support me. And even for you, you want to work on how this can benefit you on the other end. Because again, the reality is the experiences in our lives has shaped how we show up in the world. It just has. But are you aware of it? You've done the work. Maybe you have not, right? Or maybe you're not even aware of the work that needs to be done. But the important thing is, as leaders, we have to be in a space of constantly growing and developing and developing. And while you might think there's no space or place for this, or this stuff is pish posh, it's like no big deal. It is. Emotionally intelligent leaders, leaders that are transformational, leaders that know how to do relationships. Shout out to Dr. Darius Daniels. He has a great book called Relational Intelligence. Check it out. But the way you do relationships, that relational intelligence, it has much impact when you're trying to influence a population of individuals. Remember, leadership is influence. But you want to live on the side of influence that creates a security, a safety, not just physically, but cognitively, intrinsically with someone. Because the reality is if individuals know you have their back, 
even to the point with the policies and the procedures you have to make, even understanding when you do have to make those decisions that they're like, "Ah, I'm not really as happy with that, but I still do trust you. By doing that and doing the work in that, you'll see a profound change in your organization, in your team, and even, again, how you show up. I always say individuals don't typically quit the organization, they typically quit the leader. And that's why you need leadership development. That's why you need to figure out or work through clarifying and um, identifying your attachment style or if that is impacting you becoming and living as a secure leader. So did y'all enjoy this? Let me know, right? Let me know if you did. And like I said, make sure you like, share, subscribe, make sure you leave a review. It's important that you do that. All right, share this with someone, share this with leaders because it's super important. Make sure you listen to the previous episode where we discussed this in you know further detail. Because again, we have to look at ourselves first. Leadership's the foundation to it is self-leadership. And if we don't take time, you know, to also work on ourselves and show up effectively, how can we truly know that and feel comfortable leading? Right. Because those following us are looking at us like, hmm. I don't even know what, right? Leadership is the work of the people, connecting with the people. And if you have issues or struggling, struggle with that, it's just some work that you need in that area. And that's okay. I've done it. Many of people, many other people have done it. So you can do it as well. So I appreciate you guys turning into another episode. I hope you, again, I ne- I always say, don't just be the consumer of information, be someone that applies it. So what's that one thing that you can do that's going to put you towards secure leadership or understanding individuals or working on yourself or really being in tune so you can be in that consciousness so you can create those safe spaces. So make sure you tune in next week for another episode. I appreciate you all immensely and you guys have an amazing day. Week minute hour all in. Okay. <laughs> See you guys. Bye.